Hey, Urban Farm Podcast listeners. If you're as passionate about preserving the bounty of each season as we are, hey, I canned my first peaches at the age of 18, and that was a long time ago, then you're going to love what our friends over at Denali Canning have in store for you. They're on a mission to spread the love and knowledge of food preservation, and they're inviting you to join the journey for free. Right now, Denali Canning is offering free canning lids to anyone who wants to dive deeper into the world of food preservation. Yes, you heard that right, absolutely free. It's the perfect opportunity for both seasoned canners and those curious about starting. Denali is about quality, reliability, and supporting the canning community, ensuring that you get the best results every time you preserve. So why not give it a try? Visit DenaliCanning.com forward slash free to claim your free lids and start your preserving adventures today. That's DenaliCanning.com forward slash free. Decades ago, I started growing food in my front and backyard, and I realized that my mission in life is to inspire and empower others to grow their own nutrient-dense, healthy, organic food. Because of this, a lot of people have come to me with their gardening questions over the years, and that got me thinking, what if we put together a community that would help budding gardeners blossom? So I finally made the idea a reality with my Urban Farm U member program. Each month, your membership includes three live online events, a monthly class, a chit-chat with an expert, and a monthly coaching session, plus access to the experts on our member page and a significant discount on our signature courses. I'm deeply committed to transforming our global food system, and I do this by empowering you to grow your own food. The Urban Farm Membership Program is a simple way to get going. Please join me in transforming your food system today. To learn more, go to urbanfarmmembership.org or text membership to 33444. That's urbanfarmmembership.org or text membership to 33444. You're listening to the Urban Farm Podcast, your partner in the Grow Your Own Food Revolution. Whether you've just been introduced to urban farming or you're a lifelong advocate, we're sure you'll leave feeling more informed, equipped, and empowered to dig deeper into the soil of your local food economy. With you every step of the way, here's your host, Greg Peterson. Today on the Urban Farm Podcast, we have Marianne West to talk about her experience with growing her food forest. Marianne is the co-host, co-producer of the Sustainable Living Podcast the co-organizer of the San Diego Permaculture Meetup Group, and the founder and organizer of the TOP Organic Edibles Garden Club. TOP stands for Transition, Organic, and Permaculture. She is a wife, a mother, a grandmother, who is very much involved in the life of her three grandchildren. Marianne teaches yoga and other subjects and keeps working on developing her writerly self. Welcome to the show today, Marianne. Thank you so much for having me, Craig. I'm very excited to be here with you. (laughs) Absolutely. So I shared a bit about you. Can you fill in the blanks for us and share more about the path you took to get where you're at? Sure. 
Sure, sure. I mean, it's a long and winded path, so I'm not going to share every single thing of it. But I pretty much got here by discovering permaculture. And I mean, got here in, we are going to talk about food and growing food and, you know, all of those things today. And for me, when I found permaculture, it was almost like a homecoming. (laughs) I understand that. Yeah, I grew up in in Germany at, and I mean, my children always say that I probably grew up and said dinosaurs were still roaming, you know, when I tell them about uh-huh. my reality, because, you know, Germany at the time, even so I was born, uh, you know, probably 15 years or so after the war, yep. it was still a lot more depressed mm. when, when, you know, I was born, my mom got her first washing machine oh, yeah. and yeah, so different reality we we walked to school there were no cars around and right. no tv and stuff and the garden was a big part of our daily food intake what we mm. grew, we ate right and so i was surrounded by uh growing plants by canning by preserving and then actually eating out of the garden that was when i was a kid and uh-huh. when when I was a teenager, my parents sold the garden because it was getting too much work mm-hmm. and economy was better. So it was easier to just buy things. <laughs> right. But, you know, that experience kind of stuck with me. And so I always had started gardens where I was living once I came here to the States. Uh-huh. But I never lived in one place long enough to see one really cool. Oh, right. <laughs> come yep. to you know, fruition. So then now this house we are living in uh, six years now and it's probably going to be, well, you never know what happens, but the plan is we're going to stay here. Yeah. Not going anywhere. Good. Yeah. 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 So, and my life circumstances changed to a place where I was able to spend more time in the garden and to do more of said food growing things. So that's kind of how I got here. Is that kind of answering your question? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Perfect. So tell us, tell us. So we we recently, you and I recently chatted on the phone and we did a uh, site evaluation of your space. So I know a little bit about your space. You need to tell everybody Mm -hmm. about your space because it is cool. Well, thank you. Yeah. I'm I'm working on making it hopefully cooler. <laughs> so we we are living in a suburb of well, it's not San Diego, it's its own little city, but we are in San Diego County, uh-huh. which means we have a year-round growing season. Mm. And actually, as we speak right now, it's the very end of September as we are talking. Yep. Yep. Uh, it's uh, almost a hundred degrees out. We uh-huh. Yeah, it's it's warm and warmer than it was during the summer, really. Right. And right now we are going into our winter growing season here. So that's one thing we have year round growing. Then my so I would say uh, growing zone, we are 9B about some like that. We're a little bit inland from the ocean, uh-huh. but still close enough that we don't get really harsh winters. Like San Diego County is uh, big enough that you can have, you know, sunshine on the beach and actually snow in the mountains. So <laughs> <laughs> it happens. Not not snow, which will stick around for long. But yeah. so I'm, I'm in the warm part. I, we don't get frost, uh, frost-free oh, pretty nice. much all year. Yeah. 
Yeah, nice, so I nice, can nice. I can grow tropicals like bananas and papayas and stuff like that. I have a third of an acre, uh-huh. which is pretty big for, you know, a very expensive city. Right. And I have a good trick to make that acre feel even bigger is uh-huh. our house is very small. Mm, yes. <laughs> so it just takes about 800 square feet wow. of that growing space. Mm-hmm. And I have a front yard, which is uh, Southern Exposure. So oh, it's probably... nice. Yeah, it has the most uh, sun exposure during the winter. Mm-hmm. And it has a completely different microclimate. And I don't know if you want to go into microclimates right now. Sure. Uh, tell, tell everybody what a microclimate <laughs> is since you brought it up. Okay. So basically, I said we're growing zone 9B, right? But there are areas in my yard which are much more sheltered Mm -hmm. and stay warmer. And other areas where the wind comes in more or it's just colder for different kind of reasons. So my front yard is the warmest part pretty much there is it's very sheltered and it uh doesn't have any wind exposure mm-hmm. but in the backyard it can get quite windy and so it gets a lot uh cooler so it's a perfect time to go all winter long and right now i am planning on having my front pretty much i have trees and i have food trees mm-hmm. out front but mm-hmm. i keep them short i right. want i I don't want to have to climb up any ladders. Yep. And part of that is that, well, it has several reasons that I want to keep them short. One is I'm scared of heights. Uh-huh. <laughs> so climbing a ladder is like a real event for me. You know, I have to to feel brave to do it. That's one. Uh-huh. And uh, two is that, you know, as we get older, it's safer not to. Yeah get off the ground too much yep i (laughs) completely understand that well it makes them when you keep the trees small it makes them easier to manage and easier to pick right absolutely yeah and then the other reason i want to keep them small is i want to be able to plant more trees i want to have a lot of different varieties Mm -hmm. so my eventual goal is to have always something fresh coming out of the garden nice which is very possible here oh yeah, yeah yeah Yeah, I'm in, I'm in Phoenix, and we do that here in Phoenix. Yeah, excellent. Yeah. yeah. So, so that's different, yeah. So that, that the different fruit trees, in fruit tree orchard culture, that's what we call successive ripening. So like with peaches here in the low desert, we can, mm-hmm. we can plant peaches that ripen, and there's about a half a dozen different kinds that ripen starting about May 15th all the way to July 15th. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we can do similar things here. Yeah. So, uh, and also, I think it it really gets you aware what fresh fruit mm-hmm. tastes like, you know, when oh you harvest it off your tree. Uh-huh. And then I think it's, I don't know how you feel about it, but for me, like you get a crop in the first one, the first plum or the first peach, you can hardly wait to get it. Oh, yes. And then you eat them, you eat them, you eat them. And then <laughs> when... <laughs> You know, the successive trees are gone. Yeah. Then it's exciting to eat a different fruit, you know, to start with the next one coming in. And so 
you know, for me, since I grew up with that garden uh, as a major food source, I was used that at certain times you had certain food and then you don't yeah. have them anymore, you know? Yeah. yeah. And, and I think right now, a lot of us are so used to go to the supermarket and it doesn't <laughs> matter what time of the year it is, you right. can have strawberries, you, have yeah. you know? Yeah, so, but the taste is so different when, when it's fresh and homegrown, I think, you oh. know, it might, might be my bias. <laughs> no, yeah, no. Well, if it is, it's, if it is, it's our bias, so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if it is, it's our bias. <laughs> so tell me about your permaculture experience. You, did you do a permaculture design course? Yes, I did. Uh, I first did a local design course, and it was over several weekends, over nice. three months, uh-huh. which was great because there was a lot of hands-on work involved. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. and I'm kind of, I love reading books and learning from books, but I also need to send translate that into the hands-on, and oh, it really yes. helps me yep. when I can do a project with somebody who already knows it, uh-huh. you know, it just seems to make so much more sense, and if, if both of those come together, you know, it's the brain and the hands. <laughs> uh, exactly, exactly. So tell, tell everybody what a permaculture design course is. So a permaculture design course is a 72-hour course which covers a lot of different aspects of permaculture. And so from, uh, well, permaculture, since we haven't really defined it. But oh, please do then. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's it's one of those things which everybody says some um, different Absolutely. what it is. So what's <laughs> you yours? Know? What's yours? Because I'll tell you mine in a minute, but what's yours? Okay, well... I like the idea of permaculture being a design system which can be applied to agriculture, where it, mm-hmm. you know where kind of the word is coming from from perma, permanent agriculture. Yep. But it can be applied to all different systems, and the importance of the design system is that there are principles and ethics involved, yeah. which uh, mean that we are not just doing something because we can. But you think about what will the earth be like when I do this? So mm. there is earth care involved. So mm-hmm. we are not just going to pollute nilly-willy or, you know, do do things without considering the consequences. Mm-hmm. And there's uh, people care involved. Really, I mean, if you say earth care, people are part of the earth, but we separate it anyways and yeah. say it's people care. And I just heard a really um, nice headline, or so a, a nice headline. Um, as you're aware, Bill Mollison, who is a co-founder of Permaculture, just passed away. Yep, just this last and, week. Yeah. And so somebody wrote the headline said, Permaculture is a revolution uh, hiding as organic gardening. Like that. <laughs> yeah, that is the case. That is the case. Yeah, so I really like that. Love that. Yeah. I, I like yeah. to call I like to call permaculture the art and science of working with nature. How do we get in the flow and work in the flow of nature? Very nice. Yeah. 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 I did, I did my I did my original permaculture design course in 1992 with Tim Murphy here in Phoenix. Who was your teacher? Uh, Josh Robinson. Oh, nice. Good. 
Yeah, yeah. So actually, he was somewhere based. I don't, I don't know if he was in Arizona or New Mexico, but he was uh, there. And and one thing I find is like with each teacher you encounter, they have, they will teach all the principles yep. in that seventy-two hour course. Mm-hmm. But each teacher has like a particular strength or oh, love, yeah. and that just comes really through. Yeah. And for Josh Robinson, it's water and water harvesting. Oh. And nice yeah and i certainly feel deeply influenced by that because you know that's well and we live in a semi-desert so water is our big topic here yeah you know we don't have enough so right exactly (laughs) well that's that was you know that's one of the obvious next questions is you 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 know you guys are in drought uh, stage two drought in california right Um, how is how is your knowledge of permaculture impacting your design to address the drought? Well, I use a lot of different techniques, I want to say, uh, to address it. So one of them is I utilize all the gray water I can. And gray water is water which was already used, like in the washing machine. Mm-hmm. But it's not dangerous, which... Just to make it very clear, washing machine water can be very bad for your plants if you use <laughs> laundry detergents, yeah. which, you know, are full are of all kinds plants. of... That's right. Yeah. Uh, or bleach or stuff like that. So I use only laundry detergent, which is biodegradable and uh-huh. breaks down and is also formulated for trout areas. So yeah. it doesn't have any salt in it, Perfect. you know, because a lot of the even... Wash it, uh, gray water safe or so-called gray water safe detergents have a lot of salt, right. which is fine if you're in Oregon where you get a lot of rainwater, but uh, not so fine it, in Arizona or California. No, 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 no. Yeah. It's a big no-no. So I use uh, so washing machine water goes to six different basins where oh, then oh nice yeah plants are around, and we also use uh, the shower and sink water. Mm-hmm. And uh, I took it even one step further that I use my kitchen sink water, which is officially considered black water. Right. And black water is considered uh, things like uh, sewage. Right. But yeah, and I have one sink for my kitchen. I take the water out to my landscape uh-huh. and I disperse it in mulch. So, and I don't uh, use any harsh chemicals, right. but if I have, and I have the other thing going to the sewer line. So if I have things where there was a lot of salt in or oil or vinegars, you know, things like that, which wouldn't be good for the soil. Uh-huh. I rinse it in that side of the sink which doesn't go out to the landscape oh, perfect yeah perfect it's always good to design your gray water system so you have a choice absolutely yeah i do have switches and all the gray water systems that i can bring it back to the sewer if if necessary yeah so that's that's definitely the best way to do it because otherwise you can invite problems into yeah. your yard yeah. for sure so that's gray water then so rainwater we get, I'm trying to catch all I can. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and in the beginning, there was buckets sitting everywhere where it would trip down from the roof. And right. I do have several tanks, and I'm hoping that soon I can install a bigger one, 
So I'm still playing around with the idea of installing a ferro-cement tank. Oh, nice. Yeah, because you can shape him any way you want to. Yep. So I, I want to replace a fence which needs replacing with a tank. But it's uh, a lot of work. And it is, yeah. So I don't, you know, it's still in the dream phase. So we don't know. So, we see. So please explain that. You use the word that a lot of people won't know, ferro-cement. Tell people right. what that is, please. So it's it's a form of cement you mix in a way that it's easily shaped by hand mm -hmm. and it will uh, it will become stable so you know it doesn't leach into the water uh -huh. actually I think you clase the inside of the tank with, with something else but um, like when you see cement being poured on the side of the road or whatever uh -huh. that would hold up in a shape so right. the ferrous cement tanks you you actually build like a form out of wire or different mm -hmm. things and then you i think you put chicken wire on them yep. and then you uh it's almost like a plaster you create yeah. and then you put really this thick. plaster yep. very thick on onto such form and then um is isn't it in arizona where you have a collective which does like the rainwater urns and mm -hmm. yeah Yep. They actually created a, a shape you can then take out and bring into the next one. So nice. I find it really fascinating and exciting. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So you're doing a lot around water. Yeah. So nice. So this is rainwater. Then I also have a so fortunate circumstance that Suma Yard is um, a culvert, uh -huh. which is taking all the stormwater from a whole neighborhood block through mm -hmm. my yard so it's designed to just come in and go out and not touch anything and that's a lot of valuable water so mm -hmm. i did a little unauthorized uh pickaxing and <laughs> <laughs> created a place where said water can actually enter a little dam and then um a ditch uh -huh. which is um on the same level. I don't want to say on contour because it's not following the contour of the yard, right. but it's level. And so when the water comes down that culvert and comes to the dam, it will go into the ditch and then spread around. And then when there's more water, which in a rain event, it's hundreds and thousands of gallons right. coming there, then I have an overflow. It will go over the dam and then back out uh, so the property. And nice. uh, yeah, so, so that, that, that that's, really, yeah. that, I, I really want to do a shout out. for This is really unique. What you've done with that, because basically you're taking water that would normally run by your house. Right. And it's getting redirected into a series of mulch basins. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and allowed to sink in mm -hmm. on your property. That is. Very. When you told me that the other day when we were on our call, it was like, wow, that is innovative. So I have to give Josh Robinson credit for that. Good. So we, we talked about that in yep, yep. you know design ideas uh, during the class, and I was like, yeah, this sounds like a good idea. Yeah. And you will have people say, oh, but what about uh, you know the dirt which might be on the street and chemicals and so forth and. You know, that's a concern. Yep. So it is. Uh, what we do, there is like a, 
a silt trap in the beginning. So you yep. dig a hole kind of where the water enters. So mm -hmm. heavy particles fall in there and then, you know, I clear it out and take it to the landfill. Mm -hmm. And then also it's heavily mulched and I do believe in the power of compost and mulching oh, and fungi yes. yep. to break down a lot of those things. And then I also sprinkle zeolite uh, all over that ditch. Oh, and yeah. that's uh, supposedly hooks oh. up to certain, uh, you know, chemicals or heavy metals yeah. and makes them inert. So, and then I also have been towards when it's wet, I, I can't use it during the summer because it completely dries out, you know, during the summer. But right. I put also the mushroom uh, inoculant oh, in there. Oh, yeah. Because they actually eat up the oil and, right. and exactly. like that. Exactly. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So wow, that's cool. the strategy Good there. Job. So and here's, here's what I tell people. Um, because I get that question a lot. It's like, what about the pollutants in the city? Why would we even grow food in the city? Because there's so many mm -hmm. pollutants. Well, the truth of the matter is we're polluted everywhere. Exactly. You know, there's the, the fields out, out there, wherever the farms are at, are polluted um, because of the chemicals that we've thrown at them, because of the stuff falling, you know, the rain falling from the sky and picking up. So it, we can't really get away from, from it. So we have to do our best. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I so agree with you. And, you know, and I wouldn't go like a root vegetable right next to the ditch, exactly. you know, because yep. that would take on all the stuff like carrots are really good at taking uh, pollutants yeah. out of the soil, yep. but then I exactly. don't want to eat it. Right. right. So, exactly. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So this is for growing trees and, and shrubs. And, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. exactly. Fantastic. So I, so, you know, yeah. I, I'm sitting here looking at this list of stuff you've done and there's so many things I want to ask you. So I, yeah, I almost don't know where to start, but <laughs> I want to talk about your top organic edibles garden club. You're the okay. co-founder co of that. You're the founder of that. I'm the founder of that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. What is it and why did you do it? Okay, so it's a meetup group, and it's uh, I started it out as a very local garden group. And why did I do it? Well, the main reason is our city was fortunate enough to get a big grant from Kaiser, mm -hmm. which is a, a health provider, healthcare mm -hmm. provider. And right. you know, I think not just in California. I think they're all on they the are. yeah, yeah, West Coast. And so they're trying some strategy to bring more health to people. And so I was very excited and I was on, on the board uh, to advise for how to implement the grant and so forth. And I found that people are just very um, non-innovative, I want to say, and just kind of like to sit and talk. And yep. one of the things <laughs> I really <laughs> wanted, well, one of the reasons I wanted to to promote gardening and organic gardening mm -hmm. is that um, I don't want my neighbors to spray poison on their stuff, yep. which then ends up in my yard, right? Right. And you already mentioned in the beginning, I have grandchildren. And oh, so yeah. I'm looking beyond my own life to to their life, you know, to what, what kind of world are we going to give to them? Mm -hmm. And that's one reason and then another reason is that our little community here has a high obesity rate in mm, children yep. very high 
And we also have one out of five children living in food insecurity. And food insecurity doesn't mean that you necessarily go hungry that day, but you don't know where your next meal is coming from. Right, so, exactly. Yeah. And to me, it's like there is no reason. We live in a climate where things could grow everywhere. Mm -hmm. And so I really wanted to kind of promote it as a community solution. Mm -hmm. You know, said, let's all grow food and grow it. Like one of the things I do in my front yard, I kind of have an edible hedge towards the street. Oh, nice. And, yeah. And as things go bigger, I really want to encourage people to pick. And last year, it actually worked very well. Uh, I have a tangerine tree. It worked too well, actually, because <laughs> <laughs> a lot of my trees are still little. Yeah. And. So this tangerine had like a lot of tangerines on and it was the only tree which was producing yet or already. And then somebody like kids came and picked them all. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, wait, I want one. Yeah. When <laughs> but I... you know, it works well. I want kids to come and eat that instead yeah. of eating the ice cream, you know. Right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've made an agreement. There's about... Uh, 10 kids on our street and I've made an agreement with most of them that they can pick it and eat it. They just can't use it as baseballs. Good. Good idea. Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. No, I, I have a school just like three or four houses away from here and over 72% of the kids live underneath the poverty level who yeah. attend school. And, you know, wow. every day when school is over, there's an ice cream truck on the other side uh -huh. of the street. And I'm just like, no, we, you know, let's let's try to give some alternatives to that. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So that's, you know, that's one of the motivations that I, I founded at Garden Club because I wanted people to just let's come together. And actually, our goal originally was to try to connect preschools with people willing to help and maintain a garden. Uh -huh. So, you know, because I truly believe that if kids start eating healthy and knowing where food comes from and it's fresh and they want to eat it yeah they they maintain that i mean they might go to junk food for a while but they come back, they to, come back to yeah 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 you know, to yeah, a better exactly. diet exactly so that's kind of why i did that <laughs> nice 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 so literally we could probably talk for the next three or four hours but i definitely want to get to your podcast I want to talk oh. about, so tell me about the Sustainable Living Podcast. What is it? Um, why did you do it? Okay. So Sustainable Living Podcast is a podcast featuring people like you and I, and I mean, you're a little bit more famous than me. So uh, people which are not necessarily famous and who are doing things to change the world little yeah. bit by little bit yeah. and you know i think sustainability goes beyond food and gardens there are so many daily choices we make which can either help or hinder and so a lot of us just need a little bit of that nudge or even yeah. the know-how and I met my co-host and co-producer on a social media platform out of, <laughs> you know, wow. like, yeah, it was kind of very interesting that we kind of kept posting the same kind of things. And then we had our conversation and my sister is doing um, a show. She lives in Italy and um, 
she had asked me to come on as a guest because we had done a cancer therapy for my husband called uh -huh. the Gerson, Gerson, Gerson therapy. Yeah, the Gerson yeah. therapy, yes. Yeah, which is very uh, nutritional oriented. And right. I mean, actually, it was, I really needed a good garden scent because you go through 20 pounds of produce a day per person. All right. And so she had asked me about that experience and I found it a lot of fun to have those kind of conversations and then there was feedback from people really appreciating to get that information oh, yeah. and I contacted this uh, you know person I just knew through social media and say hey I'm thinking of doing a Google Hangout or a podcast would you like to be my co-host and she's like oh, yeah nice. I have been wanting to do a podcast and that's Janice that's Janice, and uh, Janice is a social media marketer, which I had no oh. idea that that's what she's doing. So she is way more savvy about the technical side of things, and I've been learning a lot from her. So I started out from not knowing how to do any kind of editing. She taught me how to do that and, you know, went ahead and did also setting up of the website and things like that. And it's fantastic. So in the beginning, I had more of the content duties and she was doing a lot of the behind the scene things. And now we're, um, you know, more doing both a lot of, interesting. of do you both Do you both interview? Yes, we both interview. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Interesting. And and I, I, I hear I, I got a slot with you guys here in the next couple of weeks. Yes, you do. Nice. You do. Yeah. Nice. So, yeah, it's it's really nice. And the motivation behind it, as I say, kind of almost the same like behind starting the Garden Club is uh -huh. to just spread the word because there are times where I have felt uh, kind of sad about the future of our world. <laughs> and yeah. that's not a good place to be at yeah and it's a very a place of not feeling powerful yeah. you know yeah but when you can do something every little thing we can do is you know moving into the right direction and so that's how we started the podcast and it's a lot of fun i find you meet a lot of interesting people so it's a podcast that and, is the case yeah and explore topics I might not have thought of, but then now I look at everything which comes across my either news feed or, mm -hmm. you know, on social media with eyes like, wow, what is this person doing and how can we bring their work to more eyes to see and more ears to hear? Yeah. And personally, I love podcasts because I I don't have a lot of time to spend in front of the computer or yep. to look at videos. Yep. So podcast I can consume on my phone, you know, when I'm out in the garden or right. doing things which don't need my full mental attention, yep. I can listening to podcast and I got a lot of my permaculture education through podcast as well. So nice. Yeah, yeah. I listen to them on my runs in the morning. There you go. So, yeah. <laughs> so it looks like you put out a podcast a week. Yeah, pretty much. That's the goal right now. Excellent. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Well, congratulations. Yeah. That is awesome. And like I said, yep. I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to being your guest here in the next few weeks on the Yay. podcast. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> so I'm going to shift on you and I'd like for you to talk about a time you failed, how you overcame that fairy and what you might have learned from it. Mm. So first of all, 
I'm going to step away from the word failed. Okay. And <laughs> That's good. Yeah, and the reason is, I think maybe it was just my particular upbringing, but I, I think a lot of people have experienced that maybe said uh, things were not enough or, you know, said you were felt that it's not good enough. So failure has such kind of a negative uh, connotation that I rather look at it as learning experiences or, right. <laughs> you know, things I tried which had very different results. Right. And... I had many of those, you know. Some. <laughs> well, that's how we learn the most, right? <laughs> exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. You know, and, and sometimes, I mean, one of my garden teachers put it in a way, like if you look at plants and planting and a plant dies, and you might look at it as a failure or as an opportunity to plant something else in that spot. <laughs> <laughs> so. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Well, here's so what I, here's yeah. what I tell here's what I tell people. I promise you, I've killed more plants than you have. Not on purpose, but that's how I've learned. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. But uh, at the same time, I would say one of my, um, if you want to call it, you know, like you could call a failure or something, is that I tend to do too much. I <laughs> love new ideas, and I get very excited about things, and I forget that I'm just one person and that's only 24 hours in the day yeah. and I'm not superwoman, so I'm very disappointed in that sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I understand <laughs> but, yeah. that. I understand that. So Marianne, what I see in your pattern and in your bio and in everything is you get a lot done. Yeah, I do get a lot done, and then I also do not get a lot done. So. <laughs> well, that, hold on, hold on. That's what we have to forgive ourselves for, because what I found for myself is that my list of things to do as of today, mm -hmm. basically September of 2016, is longer than what I'm going to be able to accomplish in the rest of my life, and I'm 55 years old. And I, I miss you. And I add new stuff on it all the time. So that's the stuff we have to forgive ourselves about. And how do you get so much done? What's your what's your trick there? What's your thought there? Well, I think one of the things is that, you know, something I said could be my failure is also my strength. Said I do get excited about things mm -hmm. and then I dive very deeply into learning about it. And uh, it's kind of like how children learn. They have one thing they're interested in and keep doing it. And yes. I think that's what my pattern is. I go very deeply into some and then you can accomplish a lot and get a lot of knowledge about a subject. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, you you get things done. And I think, I mean, I, I get a lot done so too by sometimes not taking care of myself and mm. that is a pattern I have been working on breaking yeah. and I definitely am suggesting to everybody who does a lot to add that self-care element put and your, yeah, put, it's really important yeah put your oxygen mask on first right yeah. exactly yeah exactly exactly and so finding uh, yoga and, you know, meditation oh, yes. and actually being very aware of the diet and so forth really does help, does help you yeah. know? Yeah. So what and then you ahead. cut out things like 
watching a lot of television oh, or yeah. <laughs> yep. you know right exactly that's not on the program <laughs> yeah. yeah perfect so what do you consider your biggest success well you know my biggest success i feel are my children you know, mm-hmm. I spend a lot of time being uh, at home mom and a homeschooler and home birther and blah, 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 you know all yeah. of those things. Uh-huh. And uh, my, I have four siblings, and I feel we are not very close. And for me, as I was raising my children, it was very important for them to be close. And so that really worked out. We are all very close together and are very connected as a family. So that's my biggest success period in life, I would say. Mm -hmm. And otherwise, uh, getting this place here together when we come back to permaculture and gardening, Mm -hmm. even so, I still see this long list for the next 50 years (laughs) (laughs) of things I want to do. If I look at pictures, what I started out with, basically... A lawn mm-hmm. <laughs> front and back. Oh my gosh. And where I'm at now, I, I do feel it's already pretty good. Mm-hmm. And my next challenge is getting my irrigation down to where it actually works. And when I have done that, mm-hmm. I'm going to call you up and say, that's my biggest success for right now. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> All right. What drives you? Like, what's your big uh, why? I think my big why is that I care about the future not just of my family Mm -hmm. but everybody and I feel said there I mean it feels like there is a movement going that more and more people are getting it and and so that makes it much easier to keep going you know if you don't feel like only crazy trying to you know take and grocery bags to the store or go food or, you yeah. know, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. As, as, as little as 10 years ago, they still thought I was pretty crazy here in Phoenix. Now I'm kind of the, you know, the urban farm guy that uh, everybody's kind of, well, not everybody, but a lot of people are trying to mimic what I'm doing here. And it's like, yay, bring it on. Very good. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. yeah. Well, you do a lot. I mean, you have created a lot of online presence and, I think you also are going to teach your online PDC pretty soon, right? No, I can't imagine. No, I can't imagine teaching a permaculture design course online because the there's so much hands-on community building that's done inside of a PDC mm-hmm. that you just don't get with an online one. Well, actually, you do in a lot of ways because I also took the Chef Laden online course, mm-hmm. the first one. Mm-hmm. And that was actually amazing how people did connect. You know, I think it's it's very different. You yeah. know, like the so online course gives you an opportunity to go over things over and over and over again. Oh yeah. And there is, you know, with the power of the internet, it's pretty oh, amazing yeah. how we can connect and what we can do. Yep. You know, but uh, I do like. So in-person course a lot because yeah. of the hands-on experience. So yeah. So so are you teaching a PDC or are you <laughs> or am I mistaken there? No, I no, no, no. Actually, you're you're right on. We actually tomorrow, October first, two thousand sixteen, is our tenth year here in Phoenix that uh, uh, a group of us, Don, Titmus, Dan. 
Dorsey and I have, over the past 10 years, um, we've done sometimes together, sometimes apart. But so Phoenix, since uh, 2006, has had at least one, if not two, permaculture design courses every year. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. So tomorrow, tomorrow is our... I'd be even be so bold as to call it the 10th annual one here in Phoenix that we've been involved in. So Nice. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm really excited we have 18 students that are raring to go. So Cool. That's yeah. a good number. Yeah. Excellent. So I'm all about education. I have to know is there one book that has been influential for you in this process? You know, there are lots and lots of books, but if I have to pick one book, I want to go and boy, now I don't even know the English title. I I read it in German and I actually bought it with me from Germany at one point. Wow. And it's by John Seymour. And uh, if I translate the title, it would be uh, Self-Sufficiency from Your Yard. But he's actually an English uh, author and he's probably dead by now because... I read that book when I was uh, 18 or even before. Oh, yeah. And it's all about, you know, it. I mean, that was part of the going back to the land uh, movement and yep. all of that. But I think it always kind of stuck with me. And, you know, a lot of people in the permaculture movement are um, kind of into that mode of trying to eat as much as possible from their own production. Maybe more now so because we deal with so much crazy things out there like GMO and, you know, crazy pesticides and and stuff like that. So so that was definitely one. And then Gaia's Garden by Toby Hemingway is a big one. Of course, uh, Bill Mollison, Pipeball, you know. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Big yeah. permaculture. Uh, that one is is kind of more of a reference book, I would say. Oh yeah, you know, exactly. But it's it's there to to go back to, and I have a whole bookshelf. I mean, Brent <laughs> Lancaster's book about water harvesting have definitely uh, you know influenced a lot of what I'm doing. Yeah. So yeah, lots of books. Cool. What one final piece of advice do you have for our listeners? Hmm. Do one thing at a time. Oh. <laughs> and and hold on and get it done, right? And get it done. Yeah. Don't do ten things because that, I mean, that's one of the tenets of permaculture is to sit back and observe. And that's probably one of the things I have a hard time with to be patient enough, not want to jump in right away. And I certainly have wasted time by studying too many projects and mm-hmm. then not be able to take care of all of them. Yeah. So set advice of studying small and learning and, you know, then moving bigger is actually a good one. Yeah. But, you know, it's, you get lots done too if you do too much. And <laughs> <laughs> some of it yeah. survives, but yeah. it's easier on you if you start smaller. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us on the show and sharing your experience with us today, Marianne. It has been a treat getting to chat with you. Thank you. And I'm really looking forward to continue the conversation on our podcast. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So how can our listeners get a hold of you, find out about your podcast? Uh, Tell us about that. So we have iTunes, has Stitcher. We have a website. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's called sustainablelivingpodcast.com is our web address. Perfect. Personally, you can send me an email at sustainablelivingpodcast uh, at gmail.com. And yeah, I mean, if you 
Google us. We have a blog. Um, I think, yeah, pretty much all the different devices where you can download a podcast. Yeah. We should we should be there. Nice, yeah. nice. And if you go to urbanfarm.org backslash SLP, that's for Sustainable Living Podcast, SLP, uh-huh. that's the show notes page. Cool. Thank you so much. Absolutely. That's it for today. Thanks for joining us on the Urban Farm Podcast. Decades ago, I started growing food in my front and backyard, and I realized that my mission in life is to inspire and empower others to grow their own nutrient-dense, healthy, organic food. Because of this, a lot of people have come to me with their gardening questions over the years, and that got me thinking, what if we put together a community that would help budding gardeners blossom? So I finally made the idea a reality with my Urban Farm U member program. Each month, your membership includes three live online events, a monthly class, a chit-chat with an expert, and a monthly coaching session, plus access to the experts on our member page and a significant discount on our signature courses. I'm deeply committed to transforming our global food system, and I do this by empowering you to grow your own food. The Urban Farm Membership Program is a simple way to get going. Please join me in transforming your food system today. To learn more, go to urbanfarmmembership.org or text membership to 33444. That's urbanfarmmembership.org or text membership to 33444. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Urban Farm Podcast. Remember to listen three days a week for tips, advice, and resources to help you on your journey with urban farming. You can find us on the web at urbanfarm.org or send us an email to podcast at urbanfarm.org. In the words of Vincent Van Gogh, great things are done by a series of small things brought together. Be encouraged that with each lesson learned and skill developed, you are one step closer in the direction of your dreams. Hey, Urban Farm Podcast listeners. If you're as passionate about preserving the bounty of each season as we are, Hey, I canned my first peaches at the age of 18, and that was a long time ago. Then you're going to love what our friends over at Denali Canning have in store for you. They're on a mission to spread the love and knowledge of food preservation, and they're inviting you to join the journey for free. Right now, Denali Canning is offering free canning lids to anyone who wants to dive deeper into the world of food preservation. Yes, you heard that right, absolutely free. It's the perfect opportunity for both seasoned canners and those curious about starting. Denali is about quality, reliability, and supporting the canning community, ensuring that you get the best results every time you preserve. So why not give it a try? Visit DenaliCanning.com forward slash free to claim your free lids and start your preserving adventures today. That's denalicanning.com forward slash free.